Good morning, everybody. It is Friday, the 26th of June, and we went to bed last night with the Dow futures down a few hundred points, and our market had fallen 148 and closed on its lows, and Wall Street had been down 710 points the night before, and we thought, wow, this precipitous moment has reappeared, and we could wake up to the market down hundreds of points and the whole trend changing, and instead we've woken up to the Dow Jones up 300. Damn it! And SPY futures up 70. And the market's up 51 points this morning, having been up 66, but it does appear to be a bit dead in the water. It's not really got a trend today. Seems we're a bit exhausted after yesterday. One of the remarkable things actually about the market just recently is that it's almost as if there's an institution somewhere who has bundled a group of stocks together and is trading the same group of stocks as a bundle every day. They include Woolworths, Wes Pharma, CSL, Cochlear, FPH, ResMed, Zero, A2 Milk, Sonic Healthcare, Coles, all the boring defensive stocks. Quite amazing, really. In the fall yesterday, they all outperformed. And in the rise today, they're all underperforming. They really are quite a defined group of stocks now. I'm sure there isn't an institution trading them all together. But if you want defensive, that's your list. Back to the market today. Wall Street moved in a big 550-point range last night, even though it ended up 300. We are still going sideways in high volatility. And on that basis, the market really isn't to be trusted at the moment with these big moves. We'll get involved again when we are comfortable with the market. Uh, but all the headlines at the moment on the virus and trade are deteriorating by the day. And in this uncertainty, we're just not getting involved. Now, I've got a chart of the ASX 200 in the strategy piece today. And we're getting a little bored of the chart now because we're in this sort of sideways band. So just to jazz things up today, I have drawn what's called the crossover trading band on the chart today. Have a look at that. It's a educational interlude, shall we call it that, which explains how some technical analysts draw bands or envelopes around a share price or an index, whatever it is. And when the price busts out of the top or bottom of the envelope, it's an indication that it's getting overboard, oversold, and that you should buy it and sell it. Anyway, there's a lovely explanation in the newsletter today about the crossover trading band, which preceded Bollinger Bands. Bollinger Bands are better, but in order to keep it simple, I've done crossover trading bands. You can have a read of what those are. Just interesting bit of education to have in the back of your head, whether you're a technical analyst or not. Now, over the last few days, we have been trying to find reasons why the market is ignoring this second wave of cases in the US. And one of the reasons we came up with is that the virus is a hot spot and cold spot thing, and that you will not see any precipitous announcement from governments about re-locking down the countries because the virus is going to have to be handled on a local basis. So there may be states that re-lock down or lift restrictions, but it's going to be happening in little pockets, not in big events that could knock the market over. So that might be one reason the market's ignoring various bits of a second wave in the US and making the point that there are 12 states in the US that have seen record numbers of virus cases in the last week. But at the same time, there are 12 states that have seen the record low as well. So you can see maybe we're not going to get a precipitous announcement. So maybe the market's not too worried about it. But I've come up with another reason today, or Ben and I have, and that is that we have at the suggestion 
suggestion of one of our members stopped looking at those charts of case numbers on the Financial Times website on a logarithmic basis, but looking at, at it on a linear basis. And the reason they've produced log charts is because when you've got a small country like Australia with a few number of cases, if you were to put it on the same scale as the US, we're just a flat line. So if you put it on a logarithmic scale, you can see each country a little bit better. But if you do put it on a linear scale, you will see which countries have got the most cases. So we've done that for you today in the strategy piece, and you'll see the United States, Brazil's got the most cases. But you'll see in the United States on a linear scale, just on the number of cases, you'll see there is absolutely no doubt there is a second wave in the US. The number case numbers in the last two or three weeks have ripped up. But the market doesn't seem to be worrying about it, and we're wondering why it doesn't worry about it. And I think we've come up with a reason, because if you then, instead of looking at cases on a linear scale, you look at deaths on a linear scale, we are three weeks into the United States second wave, and yet the death rate or not the death rate, but the number of deaths is still going firmly down. There has been no second wave in deaths, only in cases. Now, obviously, there should be a delay between an outbreak of cases and the number of deaths, but we are now two or three weeks after the beginning of the second wave and the number of deaths still hasn't risen. So maybe that's what the market is responding to as well. The fact that case numbers don't really matter. It's deaths that matter. And the death rate is still not the death rate. Number of deaths is still falling. You can see that chart in the strategy piece. And it may well be one of the reasons the market isn't falling over. Now, a few other quickies today. The banks led the US market last night. That came after the Fed stress tests on banks. And they basically said that they were well capitalized to deal with a harsh economic downturn, which obviously was encouraging. Citigroup up 3.7%, JP Morgan 3.5%, Goldman's up 4.6%. But after hours, the Fed have decided to cap dividends from the banks and stop buybacks. And a lot of those gains were lost in after hours trade. So that may color the start of the market session tonight in the US. Biden continues to do well in the polls. He'll reverse some of Trump's market boosting tax cuts. If you remember those, absolutely shot the market up in the US after he announced those. Biden's likely to wind some of those back, increase the corporate tax rate, for instance. The virus news doesn't get any better. Some US states slowing the lifting of restrictions now. The US saw the highest number of cases in a day last night. As I say, not turning into deaths yet. Uh, We're wondering really whether the virus is the main market driver anymore. There appears to be a numbing to the issue. Cudlow, who is always He's a White House economic advisor. Is always wheeled out whenever the market falls over, which it did a couple of days ago in the US. And he has reiterated his expectations for a V-shaped economy overnight. Goldman's were making some comments on CNBC this morning about the assumption of a V-shaped recovery was morphing into a new reality, which includes long-term changes in working practices and social interaction. And overall was suggesting that that would mean slower growth. In other words... Uh, the market or the economy becomes less cyclical. Interesting thought. Also, Qantas is down 6% today, coming out of its trading halt from yesterday. International travel, if you think about that Qantas announcement, they are parking their A380s for three years and telling us that there won't be significant international traffic for another year at least. Clearly, international travel looks to be one of the hardest hit industries. And although we caught a great recovery trade in the sector in March, up until a couple of weeks ago, we'd be shy of doing that again. 
This is an industry in survival mode, and it really does, at least for the immediate future, represent a low-quality sector for investors. Of course, having said that, there's price for everything, and if the travel sector does get going at some point, there'll be money to be made, so we're not writing it off. Another little item in the strategy piece today is an interesting article from the Wall Street Journal, which talks about why aren't stocks more expensive, and makes the point that with interest rates close to zero, the discount rate's down, so valuations can go up. I've heard Hamish Douglas with the same argument put forward earlier this year, that if you lower discount rates, you can justify some of the immense valuations or PEs on some technology stocks in particular. I hear you, lower discount rates, higher valuations, but we're just going to get over the rolling herd indecision first. We need a long-term bull market before we start buying expensive stocks just because the discount rate's going to be lower. And that's about it for today. So the strategy summary today is short and sharp, still in cash, Volatility still elevated, market not safe, don't trust it. Headlines not encouraging us to buy anything, they're getting worse on the virus and trade, if anything. We are awaiting the new trend. Right, a couple of final things today. I've written an article in the newsletter today, you can click through from the strategy piece to that, that is called The Big End of Town. It's about the reality of putting your money in a big industry or other super fund. And although I'm critical of the way they have turned into administrative platforms rather than trying to outperform, in fact, they pretty much underperform. But there are certain things about industry funds which are quite good. There's nothing terribly wrong with them. They do what they say on the box, but don't expect or hope for anything extraordinary, including outperformance. They compete on low fees rather than performance, hence all those adverts. And you can still now manage your own risk from an industry fund because of their websites if you know where to click. So your money is in safe, if boring hands. And if that's the case, you can worry about other things like making money or having a life. And ultimately, that's worth paying these funds for to administer your money. And you might steer away from funds, and this is really something that's known in the industry, but not a lot of people talk about. Some funds have what you might call member disrespect. They spend a lot of money on salaries, big buildings, sponsorships, lavish events that you don't get invited to. And you have to wonder whether you can trust the administration of your industry fund. I'll give you a fairly easy way to check that, which which is to look up the salaries of the CEO and the management. And if they're in the millions, well, that tells you a lot. Otherwise, nothing really wrong with industry funds. But don't think for an instant that they are going to outperform because they really are too big to do that. And their goal is to look after your money in a safe way. And most of them do that. Last thing today, I was watching Bobby Axelrod on Billions. I loved one of the quotes he gave, which is, Come on, team, let's get going. We're in the moving business, not the storage business. And that sort of highlights some of the comments I regularly make about people who think investment is buy and hold and doing a piece of analysis and then buying a stock and not doing anything else ever again. Anyway, we're in the moving business as well. So you have a good day and I'll see you back here with the weekend email uh, tomorrow. That does include sector charts these days. Also includes that top 50, next 50 and best of the rest tables of stocks, which some members have become quite dependent upon. And it also includes lots of other fabulous stuff, including things like the All Ordinaries spreadsheet, which will have a couple of new additions at the request of one member. Market up 56 as I sign off. Seems to be a bit dead in the water after the initial markup. Let's see what tonight brings. Thank you.